The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very good morning, everybody. This is Squawk Box, and these are your headlines. President Trump says his condition is improving after doctors put him on a series of COVID treatments normally reserved for more severe cases as his oxygen levels fall multiple times. It's been a very interesting journey. I learned a lot about COVID. I learned it by really going to school. This is the real school. This isn't the let's read the book school. And I get it, and I understand it, and it's... A very interesting thing. The president leaves hospital briefly to drive by supporters waving to fans before returning to the Walter Reed Medical Center as contact tracing gets underway amid a slew of cases across the White House inner circle. Uh, Asian equities rally whilst European and US futures also move higher after President Trump's position said he could be discharged as early as today and apologizes for any confusion over his condition. I was trying to reflect the, the, uh, the upbeat attitude that the team, the president, that his course of illness has had. In doing so, uh, you know, it came off uh, that we were trying to hide something, which wasn't necessarily true. However, the second wave grows in Europe, with the UK recording 23,000 new daily cases, whilst Berlin is labelled a high-risk area and Paris is put on maximum alert. So a very warm welcome to our Monday edition of Squawk Box and, of course, to our new set, which you'll be seeing a lot more of as we run through the programme this hour. Let's focus on this headline story then. US President Donald Trump's medical team says his condition is improving after multiple, quote, episodes over the weekend. This comes after the president tested positive for COVID-19 last week. The president has been placed on a steroid therapy typically used in more severe cases after his oxygen levels dropped on Friday and Saturday. His doctors have revealed the president is on dexamethasone, as well as an experimental antibody cocktail by Regeneron, alongside remdesivir and supplemental oxygen. But doctors added the president might be discharged from the Walter Reed Medical Center as early as today. Uh, the president, though, uh, briefly left his hospital room on Sunday to drive past a group of supporters. Mr. Trump, though, has been criticised for the surprise appearance, with some medical experts and Democrats calling the move, quote, insanity. NBC's Kelly O'Donnell has the latest. The world's most watched COVID patient made a surprise move. The masked president in the back seat, driven by Secret Service, to wave at supporters gathered outside the hospital. A brief visit he previewed in a new video message. The president returned to his hospital suite hours after his doctors provided a dose of transparency. The president's doctor acknowledged he had not revealed key information about danger signs in President Trump's condition. The president has experienced two episodes of transient drops in his oxygen saturation. President Trump's blood oxygen did fall to unsafe levels, and his fever was deemed high. 
now being given a steroid typically used in serious cases. We did initiate dexamethasone therapy, and he received his first dose of that yesterday, and our plan is to continue that for the time being. Mr. Trump's lungs may show evidence of COVID-related effects. We're tracking all of that. Um, there's some expected findings, but nothing of uh, any major clinical concern. Despite ongoing treatment, doctors said the president may go home soon. Our hope is that we can plan for a discharge as early as tomorrow to the White House where he can continue his treatment course. Today's medical briefing comes as White House credibility itself is ailing. While doctors had emphasized a rosier outlook, the chief of staff gave a more troubling account of the president Friday. We were real concerned with that. You know, he had a, a fever and uh, his blood oxygen level had dropped uh, rapidly. Saturday, Dr. Conley repeatedly refused uh, no, to no, say the president was given supplemental oxygen. Thursday, no oxygen, none at this moment. Yeah, and yesterday with the team, uh, while, while we were all here, he was not on oxygen. But today, a different story. I was concerned for possible rapid progression of the illness. I recommended the president we try some supplemental oxygen. The president himself tries to project an image of recovery, releasing photos and video taken inside Walter Reed. It's been a very interesting journey. I learned a lot about COVID. Pressed about his failure to be more forthright, Dr. Conley admitted this. I was trying to reflect the, the, uh, the upbeat attitude that the team the president that his course of illness has had. And in doing so, uh, you know, it came off uh, that we were trying to hide something, which wasn't necessarily true. That was NBC's uh, Kelly O'Donnell with that report. But let's have a look at the markets then, because it's really a story of two market sessions, it seems to me at this point. This is the Friday session. And as you can see from the closes there, a lot of speculation around the president's health. The Nasdaq, the key loser, off 251 points. But overall, a risk aversion day. As we look then at the Treasuries uh, this hour, you can see actually the yields have come back a little bit from that Friday session. And what that suggests is there's a little bit of risk taking coming back into the market at this point. The dollar also a, a little firmer on the dollar crosses. Well, as you look at this wall now, I think we're just seeing uh, the sterling uh, euro cross show some pickup here. But broadly through the weekend and coming into the trading session, we did get a little firmness around the dollar. But that is a, uh, an issue for markets this morning as they contemplate the potential uh, departure of President Trump from the Walter Reed Medical Center. Is it a true risk on tail? Well, oil was firmer. Let's show you uh, where we are on the Brent quote. We saw uh, oil climb, um, what, 2.43% here. It's a, it's a reasonable gain for oil at this point, but it just fits in with that broader risk story. And then the spot gold, as you can see, is largely flat. Not a great deal of action there. We're just modestly weaker again, which chimes with the idea of a, quote, relief rally at this stage. And we're seeing that bleed through into the Asian session at this point. As you can see, we are largely higher and a decent bump here across the Asian markets at this stage. The opening calls have us uh, starting the session positive at this point as increasingly investors are trying to bake in the idea that President Trump has had a relatively mild form of the coronavirus. But 
but. Uh, and this is, uh, I think, a very important but at this point. Given, Steve, the uh, comments that we heard in Kelly O'Donnell's package around the White House credibility, does anybody outside of the White House team and his medical staff actually have a really good handle on President Trump's medical condition at this point? For the short term, the president's uh, um, uh, the contraction of, of the virus just seems to have been, for the markets at least, just another source of market volatility. I think um, the bigger question for the, uh, can we call it the medium term, given it's only, what, three to four weeks, the election outcome, does what's happened to President Trump change the way people decide to vote in the election? Quite possibly it will change it for many people. Good morning to you, Jeff. And by the way, may I say how great you look on the new set as well. It's almost as if all of you have uh, been given a, uh, a reinvigoration. But, 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 but the point is there are so many different things to unpack here, not least the fact that we need to get back to our bread and butter and discuss the fact that the jobs picture was suitably unimpressive on Friday as well, regardless of those market oscillations and the US futures as well. Very underwhelming private sector job growth uh, out of the United States as well. So that will be another course of concern for the administration. But the confusing messages over the weekend, and we're trying to be very consistent in what we say uh, and steer a path between the president's position and what Mr. Meadows said and what we understand to be the conventional wisdom now, is quite extraordinary. So just two points I want to raise. One, if the president is in that key stage that we understand from everything we've learned about COVID of five to eight days or seven to 10 days, the thought of discharge a 74-year-old gentleman who is a heavier man, as we've discussed as well. Some are saying he's in the uh, overweight to obese category on his BMI as well. The thought of discharging him when he's had such enormous treatments, including remdesivir uh, and indexamethasone as well, seems quite extraordinary if there have been uh, lung concerns or oxygen concerns as well. Why on earth would you discharge a gentleman at this early stage of what could be a critical period? And that's about anyone out there in the world, let alone the most important man in the demo democratic world. The second thing which I uh, have an, a concern about and a question about is why are the market futures rallying today rather than um, at any other stage as well? Because what are they rallying on? Confidence that the president is going to get back to work? Confidence that because if he does get back to work, we may see some form of extra stimulus effort. Or, and you've got to remember, there are other factors out there, including the NBC Wall Street Journal poll, which was taken after the debate, but before the presidential um, announcement about the positive coronavirus. Joe Biden now has a 14%, according to one poll, by the way, just one poll, 14 points rise to 53% from 39%, up 8 point pre debate lead as well. So that would give him uh, a firm lead and a firm um, spring in his step for the actual election day on the 3rd of November. So even after everything's happened, it looks more likely, apparently, according to this poll, of a Biden victory as well, Jeff, as well. So the markets are applauding what? The fact that the president could get back to work today or the fact that actually we have more clarity on the election now, despite the fact, as I say, the underlying economics look really bad. Yeah, let's um, pick it up with uh, Peter Trubovitz, director of the US Center for the LSA. Peter, good morning to you and welcome. You, you've sort of held our hand through the hustings for this election so far. What a dramatic twist, as always, with Pre President Trump. Nothing is straightforward, and he shows himself yet again to be a bit of a showman with this drive around outside to wave to supporters. But what does this really mean, do you think, for the voting intentions of the American public? Well, I mean, look, Jeff, we all know that we're in, as everybody says, uncharted waters here. But it is very hard 
to see how any of this helps Trump in terms of the election. And I think that probably explains the joyride yesterday that he that he took and probably overriding his doctors. Look, the guy has spent the last six to seven months doing everything he can to move the national conversation away from the pandemic and his mismanagement of the crisis. And now he is exhibit A for the argument in favor of taking this seriously. And I think whatever empathy voters, some voters feel for him, others will likely view this is simply a reminder of how careless and reckless the White House has been throughout the pandemic. You know, there was another poll, uh, in addition to the one that Steve mentioned, a Reuters poll over the weekend um, that uh, was taken after uh, Trump announced on Twitter that he had COVID that indicates that nearly two thirds of those polled think Trump uh, could have done more to avoid the virus, including 50% of Republicans. So my sense is he trails Biden badly in the polls. The overwhelming majority of voters have been telling pollsters their minds are made up. It's possible that some voters will have a kumbaya moment and rally around the ailing president. But as they say down in Texas, I wouldn't bet the ranch on it. What about the stimulus, Peter? There is always the possibility here that this galvanizes both sides to a uh, an announcement on the stimulus and Trump can take some credit for that, arguing that his illness has uh, increased pressure on the Democrats to come up with a, a very rapid agreement on the stimulus plan. Will that touch the sides as far as you're concerned? Yeah, I, I actually think that's his best play right now. The best play for the White House is getting the stimulus package that the House passed last week on his desk to sign. They can video it and so forth. Look, this is the one and only, the economy is the one and only policy area where Trump consistently outperforms Biden in the polls. Even if last Friday's lackluster jobs report underscores how fragile the economic recovery is. It will mean, I think, if he goes down this path this week, it will mean caving into Pelosi's demands, but it will also allow him to say that even while he's convalescing, he is on the job for the American people. There will be resistance from some Senate Republicans if he moves in this direction, but I think at the end of the day, they realize if he loses badly on November 3rd, he could take a lot of key Republican seats with him. Yeah, and that was the point. And you said, as we say down in Texas, but I mean, Georgia, Texas, Arizona, uh, as you say in your notes, uh, Peter, that Biden is polling pretty well, surprisingly well in those states as well. Key areas, Arizona, Colorado, Maine, etc., Iowa. Um, can the Democrats get the number of seats they need to take control of the Senate and as such have uh, the avoidance of some form of split government and actually be able to enact a lot more of their policies were Mr. Biden to win the election? It's still a big lift, um, Steve. I, you broke up a little bit, but basically I, I think it's about the Senate and what they need. They need to net four seats right now. Uh, three if Biden wins the presidency and Harris becomes the tie-breaking vote. They're well positioned to pick up Arizona, Colorado, and Maine. They're competitive in Iowa, Montana, North, and South Carolina. A lot can change. 
there, you know, the Democrats are going to almost certainly lose Alabama. They'll probably hold Michigan. So these races are tight. But I think at the end of the day, if I'm Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and a month out from the election, they're in a better shape, the Democrats, than anybody would have expected at this point. I think we may have lost, Peter, the uh, connection to the LSE, obviously giving up on us. But, Peter, if you can hear us, thank you so much for joining us. And I think we got the meat of it out. Peter Trubovitz with us from the LSE. Steve, back to you. Yeah, I mean, the question I really wanted to ask Peter, actually, the final question, and it's a shame we didn't get it, but we can ask other experts before is, how important now is this VP debate? I mean, you've got Kamala Harris versus Mike Pence. We don't know what Mike Pence's role is going to be in the administration over the next couple of weeks. We hope it will be as VP, but who knows whether he would have to take over some presidential um, role and obviously the campaigning role in a more forthright manner. You've got Kamala Harris has always been talked about in in view of the fact that Joe Biden is a 77-year-old as well, and by the end of his tenure would be well into his 80s as well, were he to be elected president as well. So I think Kamala Harris versus Mike Pence is box office TV, if I may say so, uh, on the 7th of October, which is this week as well. Anyway, let us move on. Uh, President Trump has urged lawmakers to pass a new coronavirus relief package, tweeting they must, quote, work together and get it done. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said progress is being made. In an interview with CBS's Face the Nation, she urged airlines to halt furloughs, saying help is on the way. House Democrats had passed a $2.2 trillion plan last week, but the White House has rejected the size of the bill. Now, coming up later, NBC, or big pardon, CNBC, speaks with the Office of Management and Budget Director Mick Mulvaney. Uh, that one coming up at 12.30 Central European time. And also later today, our U.S. colleagues will be speaking with the Regeneron CEO, Leonard Schleifer. Uh, his company provides, of course, one of the COVID treatments that Jeff talked about earlier on being administered to the president. That one at 1345 CET. So much to discuss and look forward to, Jeff. Yeah, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. Still to come, Paris will be put on maximum coronavirus alert. We'll have details on what that will mean for people going about their daily lives. Plus. Yeah, plenty more on the president's health and the progress on that following his positive COVID test. And for analysis of market reaction, check out the Squawk Box podcast. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Welcome back. Britain reported almost 23,000 new coronavirus infections yesterday. That's a new record after a technical issue caused a backlog of more than 15,000 cases. This is Finance Minister Rishi Sunak warned a further lockdown would, quote, cripple society. 
The centre of Berlin is now considered a high-risk area. This after five districts in the German capital became new virus hotspots. The city reported more than 300 new cases on Friday, pushing the total number of infections in Germany to over 300,000. Uh, some German states have begun to introduce mandatory quarantine for arrivals from certain areas of Berlin. Uh, Paris and its neighbouring areas will be put on maximum alert today. Bars will close from tomorrow as a precaution. Well, let's get the latest on this from Charlotte. Charlotte, two questions. What does maximum alert mean? And two, the rise in infections that is happening that is of great concern, is it being matched by a, a big rise in hospitalizations uh, to patients going into ICU and indeed, of course, mortalities? Good morning to you. Good morning, Steve. Well, that, that is the concern that there is the growing pressure on hospitals and that is uh, the calculation that they make it with different data to put uh, regions and areas in maximum alert, which means uh, shutting down, for example, bars and restaurants like we saw in Aix and Marseille. And uh, we heard from the health minister Olivier Véran last week that Paris had passed thresholds for this. So it's the incidence rate mixed with incidence rate for the over 65 plus the pressure on ICU beds. That's a combination of this data that, that uh, makes uh, the government decide whether one region is put on maximum alert. So now uh, announced last night that Paris has indeed passed this threshold and will be put on maximum alert from today. So we have some measures expected to be announced at 11.30 CT this morning, a press conference with the mayor of uh, Paris with, for some of these measures. Uh, we know that um, some of these measures that have, are being considered is bars will be entirely shut down, something that we saw in Aix-en-Marseille. Restaurants, however, are expected to uh, be allowed to reopen in Marseille and stay open in Paris, but they will have to have a lower capacity as well as some distance between tables, etc. University is expected to stay open, but with a 50% uh, attendance in classrooms, uh, for example. So that's some of the measures that they are looking at. Uh, we also saw a tweet from the Labour Minister Elizabeth Bourne last night after the announcement that Paris had been put on maximum alert, calling for people to work at home wherever it was possible, something we saw, for example, in London as well, uh, calling people to revert to remote work to remote working wherever it was possible. That of course comes, as you said, as the number of infection has been rising uh, um, a lot. 17,000 new COVID cases on Saturday alone, 12,000 yesterday. Um, so the number of deaths again remain relatively low, 32 deaths yesterday, but the pressure on hospitals is growing at the moment. About 7,000 people in hospitals with COVID and 1,300 of those in ICU. So now the pressure is growing in hospitals in Paris. There were some reports that holidays for half term coming uh, coming soon are, for example, be uh, cancelled for some of the staff working in hospitals in order to handle this wave of uh, patients. I was uh, starting to have some cancellation of some of the non-urgent procedures try to mobilize some staff and resources in hospitals. So again, number of infections rising as well. Of all the tests being taken now, the number of positives 8.2%. So here's some concern. These restrictions put locally in in place for uh, by the government for France to try to tackle this um, this uh, new wave of infections while keeping things running and the economy running, guys.
Charlotte, I want to know what the psyche is like as well, if I may, because in this country, many people in the population are sick to death of a government which has loosened restrictions and is now accusing the UK population of being blasé on COVID, of being complacent on COVID. Uh, and my experience anecdotally is anything but that as well. People are by and large doing everything they possibly could as well. I just wonder what it was like in France, whether Macron or his prime minister is trying to direct some of the, the criticism back to the population. Well, there is a sort of fatigue with these restrictions, uh, definitely, in the population. You have this split a bit like what we've seen in other countries of people being um, very concerned by the rising number of infections and we haven't learned our lessons from the spring. We need to put more restrictions for people calling for schools to be shut down. There's another part of the population and some experts and experts on both sides of the argument as well, which is what is confusing to a certain extent. Uh, others saying that uh, this is nothing like uh, the first wave, that things are much under control, that the population affected is younger, that we know how to treat this uh, better and the number of deaths is showing this. So there's really this split. The authorities say they want to work on the side of caution, of course, uh, some projections that are alarming for uh, later in October and November. That's why they explain that they have to put these restrictions in place now and that they want to be proven wrong and that these projections will not happen. And that is why they're putting these restrictions in place now, guys. Excellent work, Charlotte. Thank you very much indeed. Um, I'm also fascinated to know later on the show, maybe if when uh, von der Leyen has gone back to Macron, whether she's asked for a little bit of concession on the fishing front as well, because of course, Brexit front and foremost. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.